recording live from the home of Exotic Smash Mouth. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Somebody once told not that, me not, to introduce yeah. a podcast. Too exotic. Too exotic. <laughs> you went you went over the line in terms of how exotic you went. Kevin, that was very inappropriate. All right, so I'm uh, I'm Nathan Santo, joined as always by uh, the Smash Mouth singer himself, Kevin Garber. That's I, I do not take that insult lightly, sir. Okay, and uh, Eric Ronnebeck. The full-time Smash Mouth hater. And if I had to be honest, we are recording live from the center of the sun because it fact. is so hot in Seattle. It's it's only going to get worse, gentlemen. Yeah, it's like a na- there was like a national weather warning that was like, don't go outside, <laughs> please. And Thursday is going to be even hotter, so st- stay inside. If any of you see one of us in a puddle on the sidewalk, please kindly scoop us up and mail us back to our families. We'll send you a sticker. All right. <laughs> After it'll only take us a couple weeks because it always takes me a really long time to. I have to like get more stamps and uh, yeah, it's not fun. All right. Anyway, uh, let's get right to it. We have two huge Seahawks news stories this week, and let's start off with the one that wasted the most of Kevin's time. So Malik McDowell, he. After Kevin spends all this time making a video about Malik McDowell, he goes ahead, rents an ATV, and breaks his face. Uh, two weeks ago, this happened. Uh, rumors are that he's going to be back in training camp in the next five or so days, but who knows for what? The Seahawks aren't talking. He's not talking. Actually, he did say he did make a statement on Twitter. Oh God! Uh, so he Here we go. On his Twitter account saying that uh, he'd be at practice in a few days, and that it wasn't like career threatening or anything. It wasn't a super serious injury. Yeah, but so that probably does mean concussion protocol. If he, and if he can't wear a helmet, like this is going to be a problem. Like if he had some serious face surgery and he can't ha- wear a helmet, that's there's, I don't think, I'm just saying, I don't think that he, uh, you know, uh, there's so many unknowns right now though. There's no New York giants type incident here. Uh, I think you have to read between the lines a little bit and go to Pete Carroll when they said, will he be ready for the start of the season or will he miss any time? And Pete said, we'll see. And that tells me, it's like, not a good, that's not a good lead. Yeah, right well, there. it could be, ooh, it's really bad, or Pete's pissed, which I think it might be the latter. Yeah. yeah. When you sign these contracts, they have writers in them that say, like, you're not going to do certain dangerous activities. And I, if I had to guess, ATV writing is probably on the list. Oh, yeah. He Kellen Winslowed <clears throat> the crap out of himself so here. <laughs> it's it's going to hurt him in terms of, like, his contract. It's going to hurt him financially. It could hurt him. And, you know... It's it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. I, I, there's no point in like crying over spilled milk here. It it sucks to lose an interior pass rusher for perhaps the whole season, and uh, you know it's uh if you want to see what he'll be like in 2018, go ahead and check out Kevin's video. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that's my uh, my take on this. I, I feel like the video will still be relevant. It's just uh, oh yeah, because nothing will have changed. He won't have played any games. <laughs> He's playing this year. He's not missing the whole year. Uh, okay, all right. We'll see what happens. We'll wait and see. There's a chance that he, the team retains to an extra year of team control and just sits him out the whole year. Are you like saying that, that... That is not off the table, I don't think. What happened to Jason Pierre-Paul's fingers happened to Malik McDowell's face? Is that what you're saying? No, it happened to my heart when, <laughs> when, he, when this happened. Fair enough. So, the other big piece of news, Camp Chancellor got married again. Yeah, this time he got married to a three-year, <laughs> money. Sorry, $33 million contract with $24 million guaranteed. Uh, even if they front load it to the max, the guaranteed money, that would mean that over the next two years, all the money is guaranteed. So yeah. it's, it's, there's no like, there's no like good way to front load this contract to like lessen the blow. It's $11 million for our strong safety for the next it's two years. It's three and 36. I thought it was three and 33. Isn't it? And I thought it was 25 guaranteed. Look at us. I have to change. I have to 36 cha- and 25 guaranteed last year. Oh yeah. Time. That's what it says right here. So that's like even more than I thought. Yep. So now I have to take another extra million dollars off. 
Just give me give me a second to do math. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So what do you think of this contract, uh, Eric? Start with you because you 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 go with the heart. Yeah, I went with the heart, and last week I thought I went with what I thought the Seahawks would do, and they would re-sign Cam for maybe a little too much money, and that's what they did. I don't know. I feel like eleven million for Cam Chancellor is too much money. All right. Well, what about twelve million? Because that's how much it actually. Oh is. yeah, damn it. No, that's fine then. <laughs> no. no, I don't. I don't know. Like, like you said, he goes with the gut here, folks. Here's the thing: it's it's a heart decision. Uh, the cap is going to keep going up. I don't really know what this means for, you know, signing a center or you know, free agent signings. Jimmy Graham. They want to keep the Legion together. It's pretty. It's pretty transparent. That's what they want to do. And I I do like Cam. He plays really hard. If he plays two really good years, I'm fine with this. All right. So. Uh, we have another. We have two more years of Earl Thomas, no matter what. So this year and next year, so we're good there. We don't have to worry about is or is going to affect Earl soon. We'll have at least another year of that. Uh, it knocks us down in cap space for next year from twenty-one million to nine million. So we're either going to have to cut people to make room, or not resign any of our other free agents because there's no way we could squeeze Britt or Graham under the cap in that situation. So, you guys ready to hear uh, some of the guys that we could cut to save the most money? Sure. All right. Well, I'll get the ones out of the way that we're not going to cut. We we could cut Earl Thomas and save nine million. We could cut KJ Wright and save seven million. We could cut Cliff Averill and save seven and a half million. Those none of those things are going to happen. Um, we could we can cut Wagner and save almost ten million. That's not going to happen either. So okay, those ones are out of the way. Those are those are big money savers, but they're just not going to happen unless there's a big injury or. They're something. also big talent removers. So. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Jeremy Lane. If we cut Jeremy Lane after this season, we would save five million dollars against next year's cap. Jermaine Curse. If we cut Jermaine Curse after next season, we would save five million dollars. Taya Rubin, uh, three point eight million dollars in savings, and that's about it. Everything else is like not enough to be worthwhile. So if you total those up, it's thirteen point eight million we could save by cutting those three players: Taya Rubin, Jermaine Curse, and Jeremy Lane. Those first two sound like gimmies. Okay. What that means is that that would probably give us enough money to sign one of either Jimmy Graham and Justin Britt, and then fill out the rest of the roster. Um, that doesn't include like bringing back Luke Jokel or like any of the other things that we might need to do along the offensive line. It's just, that's like, if we have all the guys under contract right now and they come back and then, so we'd have somewhere in the neighborhood of $23 million to sign all of our free agents from 2018 plus whatever else we want to bring in. So did you straight subtract 12 off of the cap number or is it possible with, Cam's contract that it might be uh, so, a little more back. This is a straight extension. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so it that this year. it's not going to affect this year at all. It, it would be, it would be, which makes this is where I got the eleven million dollars from. Because if you math it out, if you include this year as a year, so it's like a four-year contract, it's eleven million a year. So that's why I think that number got weaved into my brain like that. Uh, but the thing is, is that they're not front-loading any of the money onto this year's cap, so it's still going to be, you know, all there. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about this. It's a lot of money, and the Cam Chancellor is my favorite player to watch on the Seahawks. So I love that we brought him back. But from a roster construction standpoint, it's it's going to be really hard. The team's going to get thinner. How about that? Let's just leave it at that. The team is going to have less depth across the board because of mo- this move. Yeah, but Pete and John know what they're doing. Oh so, yeah, I, I trust them to. So make I, I figure like Jeremy Lane. 
and Jermaine Curse are probably gone. Jermaine Curse may not make the team this year. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not worried for cap about of the cap for you know the reasons that John Snyder and you know he knows what he's doing. But I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a weird. It seemed like way too much money. It's it was what the market demanded. The after the the market kind of got set this off season from by uh, there was one other strong safety that got signed to a similar like us. Uh, it was a longer deal, but it was same money. The one who went over to the Ravens from Arizona, right? Uh, no, Jeff- not Tony Jefferson. Jefferson. The the one it's Tampa Bay, the one Tampa Bay resigned. But yeah, the they that set the market, and this is what we had to pay if we wanted to keep Cam Chancellor. And apparent, I would guess. That at this point, can't Pete Carroll and John Snyder have recognized that the soul of this defense is the two safeties playing in the back, and all the other guys are more fungible than that, maybe other than Mike Bennett, and that kind of everyone else is maybe going to be allowed to walk away, or they're willing to cut ties with everyone else, except for those two guys need to stay. And that might be how they feel about this defense. What about Richard Sherman? Let's Let's just open that up. What's his, what are his numbers next year if we cut I mean, him? Uh, we'll save $11 million off the cap if we just straight up cut him. We're not going to cut him, though. We would trade him, if anything. Uh, just saying? It's an Could inter- it is an interesting case, though, uh, where we do trade Richard Sherman, and we maybe bring we draft another cornerback and bring in bring back Britt and Graham. You know, it's a way, that is one way to keep the band together, is to get rid of one of these higher-end guys on this thing. I would guess they would never get rid of Wagner, Thomas, Baldwin, or Bennett. Those guys seem pretty much untouchable. KJ and Cliff represent good values at the current number they're at, so I would be surprised if we got rid of either of those guys uh, either because Cliff produces like crazy, and he only makes $8 million a year, which is nuts for a rush defensive end. And KJ is, has really stepped his game up and has become maybe the, the best uh, 4-3 outside linebacker in the entire league. So there's no reason to get rid of him at only around eight million either, uh, unless like. But if someone gets hurt, then we could cut one of these guys. Like you know, let's say I don't I don't want to wish injury on anyone. So let's just say someone. Let's leave it nebulous. Someone gets injured though. That's gonna one of these top guys gets injured. They no one has a ton of dead cap except for Russ. Russ would be the only one where we wouldn't save that enough money to be worth it. And maybe Mike Bennett. Mike Bennett we'd only save like three million. But everyone else like has really low dead cap numbers, so we could cut a bunch of dudes next year to save money if we re- really wanted to. Eh, I don't know. I th- I think we wait a year, see where we're at. You never know who's going to get injured, who's going to retire. There's 49 players on the roster for next year, by the way, just if you're curious. We only need six more. We're fine. Trade draft picks. We're good. The 53? We get 53, 53. right? Never mind. Four. We Four. Have. We're good. Even less. We're fine. <laughs> just three guys, $21 million. Oh, wait. No, no. Sorry. Nine million dollars. <laughs> My bad. Uh, that's not that bad. Sign. We can sign. <laughs> sign three. We can sign three Eddie Lacy's. In fact, Eddie Lacy could probably play offensive line. We just have to give him the opposite of the contract deal he has now. The Jamarcus Russell effect. All right. Any anything anything else you want to add to this, Kevin? Or you feel like it's been succinctly covered. You know, we talked about this before. We don't really know that Britt is a top ten player. So right. talking like losing out on him would be a huge deal. I don't maybe, know. It's hard maybe to it say. is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe right. it is. Maybe it isn't. He's a, he's still an unknown asset, just like Luke Jokel. But the thing we know is we need to start investing something in the offensive line. But there are so many questions. There's so many. Like for all we know, Abuja could settle in and be a great guard. 
Right. A Fetty could end up being a revelation at right tackle, and suddenly half and, of the questions we had now, are answered. And now Posich is like a really good guard, and it's like, oh, well, okay, we just, we're just short one tackle now. Right. You know, or, yeah. And the rest of the line is great. Like that. Yeah. I could totally, I could totally see that happening. You know, or Jimmy Graham, maybe, uh, Vanette steps up and be, and ends up being more than we thought he could be. Maybe he ends up being, uh, you know, a better version of Zach Miller. I think on some level, they prioritized the guys that had the most talent. They're going through in order. Cam has otherworldly talent. Jimmy has otherworldly talent. And maybe Britt is just a solid center. And so they're just like, yeah, we don't, we'd, let's get the, let's make sure we keep all of the great players we have and not lose any of those. Well, it's not a bad strategy. This is Pete Carroll going back to his college days. You know, what are you going to do? My, my assets are better than yours. And so when we line up and play a game of football, my talent advantage is going to show out. Yeah. It is weird to me that Cam Chancellor makes more money than Earl Thomas, though, because I don't think there's any more indispensable player in NFL, in the NFL than, than Earl Thomas. That's just order a contract. It's, uh, I mean, that's going to come around. Yeah. It's after next year, or if Earl decides to keep playing football, it's definitely going to go way up his number. I do have um, one more piece of Seahawks news that's just is, interesting. Is Tyler Luckett's, Luckett's coming off pup. No, already? that's just that's just awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I'm about not going to say anything about it because I don't want to jinx it. Okay, <laughs> but uh, I I did see a report that um, you know yeah amongst the everyone's in the best shape of their life and oh, all of them have never looked better. One this. actual interesting piece of news I saw was that Alex Collins is returning kicks at huh. this point, which would give him a little bit more. Roster flexibility. We always talk about how when you're trying to catch on a spot at the back end of the roster, which if you're trying to catch on as the fourth running back, you need to be able to do a couple more things. And being somebody who could be a return specialist could factor into that last running back roster spot. Does he have the speed for that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he didn't show well in the combine on his speed, but his play speed is solid. He's did got we, quickness, I guess. Did we cover? Did, was, what, did it had it happened last week when we, when the we traded for the special teams specialist from Kansas City, uh, DJ Alexander? That happened yes. four days ago. That only happened four days ago. We haven't talked about that yet. Well, I thought we did. No, uh, DJ Alexander. This is really good. Uh, we cut uh, Arthur Brown because this is like a like for like uh, upgrade, just straight upgrade. DJ Alexander was the Pro Bowler for special teamers last year. He was really good on special teams, and he he'll make he has a clear path to getting. We traded Kevin Pierre Lewis for him. Uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis didn't really have a a good path to make the final roster, and he's hurt a lot. He doesn't. He's hurt all the time. He doesn't play special teams very well. Like he just didn't have a great great path to get to the to the final roster. DJ Alexander is a is a top quality special teamer who can fill in at linebacker if needed. Uh, I think it's a great trade for the Seahawks. A clear path to the final roster, and uh, yeah, I'm excited that we guys like this are always really good to have around. You know, the, the Chris Maragoses of the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, final thing we signed, we resigned Marcel Reese uh, and Mike Morgan. Yeah, and Mike Morgan. I don't think Mike Morgan's going to have to fight for his roster spot, though. I'm not 100 percent sure he makes it. He's making next to no money, so he has a shot, but he's in that like scrum of linebacker potential players. It's yeah. amassing more talent and a talent that knows the system. But Marcel Reese is going to. He's we're we're that's a sign, clear sign to me that we're keeping one fullback and his name will be Marcel Reese. Well, because that's another <laughs> he's really top good notch special teams contributor, right? Who can run the ball and play fullback. And line up at wide receiver for yep. time. Like he's a unique talent. Uh, I like. He lets us play around a little bit on offense. I'm very excited. Yeah, even more for, roster uh, flexibility for him. 
So, all right. That's uh, that's Seahawks news for this week. Uh, were there any NFL stories that stuck out to you, Kevin, that you thought we should cover before we head into the uh, the AFC South preview? You know, the only big piece of NFL news I think will be covered in our preview. So um, let's go ahead and talk about that when we get to that team. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing really. I just more Cowboys players getting arrested and uh, Cardell Cardell Jones is on the Chargers now. That's it. Uh, Cardale Jones to the Chargers is kind of cool just because that's a guy who needs about two more years to marinate. And, and that, and Philip Rivers is a good person to sit behind for two years. And he's not, he's not going to play. Phil Rivers is amazing. So, all right. Uh, let's, let's dig right in here. Let us start with the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans were nine. The Houston Texans went nine and seven last year. Did they I, did. That, it was a sneaky nine and seven. Yeah, it is a sneaky nine and seven. Uh, yeah, they both he, seem like they did better and worse than that. Houston Texans with nine and seven last year. Their over and under is set at eight and a half. They they brought in Seal Moore, and that's basically it. They drafted Deshaun Watson. Like they did not add anyone, and they lost AJ Giacomini. <laughs> they did not bring in anyone. They <laughs> they lost AJ Bouye, uh, Quentin Demps, and John Simon. Uh, AJ Bouye and Quentin Demps are big time special teams contributors. Uh, that is uh, something I will talk about in a little bit. Over and under set at eight and a half. Over a slight favorite minus one twenty five. Eric, how do you feel about the Texans? Every year I kind of bash on the Texans, or, or more uh, more succinctly, I predict a, a terrible thing that actually does wind up happening to the Texans. Um, they lost a lot. Do you think Brock Wa- Can we just talk about the quarterback position real quick? Brock Osweiler leaving. Is this, is this good? Is this bad? Do we he know who a terrible fit, and the stigma that surrounded him would prevent him from ever experiencing success there. Who's our quarterback this year? It is either Tom Savage. The macho man. Yeah. Tom, oh, Tom yeah. Savage. Yeah. Or Deshaun Watson. I don't really know who I would trust in that situation. I believe Deshaun Watson could be an NFL quarterback, but I don't know if I'd want to stick the rookie in. I'm thinking, 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 <laughs> well, thinking I, that I will, he won't last. I'm saying, I think Deshaun Watson starts week one. Uh, the buzz around Texans facility, according to Ian Rappaport, is that the Texans hit it big with Deshaun Watson. They have a lot of faith in him. O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, who is known as a like quarterback guru. I don't know how true that is what? after what happened with Brock Osweiler, but that's like his reputation. Uh, he says Deshaun Watson's the best rookie quarterback he's ever been around. Yeah, uh, that's that's the you. I, he's the best shape in, of his career. Talk right there. Well, Deshaun Watson. The thing about him is, you're you have a team that has DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Braxton Miller. It's good weapons. Uh, Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller. Catch uh, out of the backfield. Here's Tyler Irvin. There are playmakers you can put the ball in their hands and they can do stuff. And Deshaun Watson is not going to actively screw it up. And I prepared this for you, Kevin. You want a list of other Bill O'Brien NFL rookie quarterbacks he's been around? Kevin O'Connell, Zach Robinson, Tom Savage, and Ryan Mallett. Yeah, what so about uh, that's, his New England days? The Kevin that, O'Connell? That's, that's where some of those names come from, like Ryan Mallett and Kevin O'Connell. Oh, yeah. uh, this well, not, Brian Mount was also on Houston. This gets confusing. At not, a, point. not a great list, Kevin, is what I'm saying. Uh, so he could be telling the truth for sure. I'll say this about the Texans. They have Lamar Miller, which they have a good running game. Maybe their quarterback play is going to be average this year, kind of how our offensive line just needs to be average to be improved. Their quarterback play could just be average and it could be improved. There are some weapons on offense. This defense is still really good. Without J.J. Watt, they are a plus defense. With J.J. Watt possibly playing, I don't know if, I mean, how much he's going to play. I imagine he's going to play all year. Uh, this defense will be better. I, uh, I think the Texans win more than they did last year, but I'll, I'll wait to give you that number. All right. Uh, here's my thing. 
Okay, I think Deshaun Watson is a great choice for this team. And I think the offense will show marked improvement under Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson was the most ready to play right away of all of the quarterbacks in this draft. Um, he's not, I don't think he'll ever be a top 10 quarterback, but there is upside here where he could be like a solid quarterback that can lead teams to continual playoff appearances. Yeah. My problem with this team, they lost their two best secondary players, uh, unless you really like Jonathan Joseph, which I don't blame you if you do, but I think that they lost their two best secondary players. JJ Watt has been hurt for basically two straight years. Uh, I don't trust him to stay healthy. And this, if they do not get big production out of Watt, Clowney, and Merciless, like this team is going to struggle because their secondary is thin and not very good. Uh, the defense is, is not, it's a paper dragon in my opinion. Like there are good pass rushers on this team. So if they, and good pressure hides a lot of warts. Okay, good pressure will hide a lot of warts. But if they do not create pressure consistently, if JJ Watt is not what he used to be, if he's not 100%, he's older too, coming back off a very serious injury. Like, back injury for a defensive lineman that doesn't heal that well usually yeah it's like it's like there there is huge upside here this team could go like 13 and 3 and it wouldn't like i would not be stunned but there is like big time downside where this defense is like kind of a shell of what it used to be you don't just give away like one of the best cornerback aj Bouye was one of the best cornerbacks in the league last year like straight up and he, he just he's gone now you know they, they didn't and they didn't really bring in anything to replace him they've picked a they picked a cornerback in the fifth round. Like that's the that's what they did to replace him. So they are they're really relying on the guys that were already there to step up, and I'm just not sure that that's going to be able to happen. Kevin, yeah, I think you hit it. They need the pass rush to show through. Uh, they picked up Carlos Watkins, which gives them another person on the interior, but I don't think that's a big thing. But I mean, that's just a that's just a Vince Wilfork. Yeah, I was going to say that's like Vince Wilfork. Was last year was a decent rotation interior defender, and they replaced him with a decent interior rotation defender. Like uh, it, Zach Cunningham was their second round pick. He's basically just insurance because Brian Cushing gets injured a lot. So, like you said, he's they not need... even set up to start. Like I did, that's another thing. They spent a second round pick on a guy in a draft that was rich with cornerbacks. I think he could beat out McKinney. They're, I think that's a legitimate threat. But I mean, the, but McKinney's not bad. Like, no, I'm, it's like I'm the is. thing is, they could have spent that second round pick on one of like many cornerbacks who have instant starter upside. There were so many cornerbacks in this draft that had like, hey, this guy maybe could start right away. Like, there was like probably ten or fifteen, and I don't know. I felt like they kind of wasted that away by picking up a, a guy at a position that already has some strength. Yeah, they're basically betting. They spent past prior assets on Kareem Jackson and Kevin Johnson, and they're expecting one of them to step up. And I think you're right, Nathan. Nothing in their career so far has told you that you should be gambling. Not on for that. Kareem Jackson. Kevin Johnson's still young in the league. Like, there's a chance that he could be decent. Kareem Jackson, I'm like, is fine. He's 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 fine if he's your third best cornerback. So, <laughs> so what? So the, what I want to look at, though, is the offense. So we talked about Watson, all the weapons. There's another pick they made, and that is Deontay Foreman. Deontay Foreman is a humongous. Uh, like, we're talking like Garrett blunt size running back. He's a 235, right? Uh, yeah, kindly 235. In the, that's the player's guide weight, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, he's, he's 235 going on 260. And he is uh, he's big all around. And uh, he can catch the ball. He has straight line speed. So, But the big thing is, you have Lamar Miller, who's a versatile back, but has a bit of an injury history. You have Tyler Irvin, who's a scat back and a special teams player. Foreman going in there gives you a guy that you can just pound the ball. So if the pass rush can get going and the defense is winning a game, Foreman's the kind of guy that can pound the ball. Their offense just got a lot better. 
But the problem with that is if you're pounding the ball to run out the clock and you're playing like a conservative, get the ball in your playmaker's offense, and you have a weakness at cornerback, then you always have to worry about the quick strike. So this is not a team that has a defense that you want to rely on being able to nurse a 21-13 lead all the time. And, and another thing, too, is That's this, a worry. this offensive line is not very good. It gets, it's gotten worse. They've they, lost pieces they, that they haven't been able to replace. They, they lost rotation pieces that were, like, decent and didn't replace them at all, and except for Breno Giacomini. If, I don't know. Breno Giacomini's <laughs> best days are behind him, in my opinion. Well, they uh, lost Abushi. The they pro lost. football focus ranked these guys uh, 29 out of 32 in terms of like where they think the offensive lines are heading into next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they lost their starting center. Suafila looks like a bust, like the left tackle or the left guard that they drafted three years ago. Um, he he just hasn't ever really put it together in a full season. He's been in the bottom 20 for guards the last two seasons. Well, they have a good left tackle that's injured. Right. So it's like I'm I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the. Uh, there's just like there's there's weaknesses to this team. There's 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 holes in the armor, and uh, and also their best players are very injury prone. JJ yeah. Watt is like the most at this point. Like he's the best, but like can he stay healthy? Like I don't know. Well, and then Dwayne Brown, their uh, great left tackle, is out for the year. That's a big problem. I uh, actually didn't know that. Yeah. There we go. All right. So Texans. Texans football. Kevin, where do you got them? I have them do a lot to schedule, and because I don't think there's a lot of teams they're facing that can punish them too bad in the passing game, I have them at 10 and 6. I have them, I have them at 9 and 7. I think they're good. They're not. They're just not quite a playoff team, and like one bad injury is going to hurt them a lot. If they stay fully healthy the whole year, the Texans can go... The sky's the limit. The Texans can go twelve and four and, and be the number one seed. Like I'm not, I'm no. not putting it past them. But they also could go like six and ten. They could be in big trouble. Eric, yeah, I'm got ten them? and six. And I'm sitting at their ceiling. I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I like their secondary more than you guys do, and I'm, I don't know if I'm high on Deshaun Watson like you guys are, but like Kevin, I have them at ten and six. I have them missing the playoffs. I feel like no matter what they finish at, they're going to be what they always are, and that is if they were to make the playoffs. They wouldn't win a game. This team needs a massive overhaul, in my opinion. Yeah, losing, yeah, just like losing the the big players in free agency like that, and not bringing in anything to replace them is like, I don't know, it's not like a, it's not a great strategy. All right, this team got old at the wrong time. The in the Indianapolis Colts, they went eight and eight last year. They're over under is oh wait sorry they brought in Jabal Shear, John Simon, Marcus Hunt, Sean Spence, Brian Schwenke, Barkevis Mingo, and Kamar Aiken. And I'll explain why I put so many names on there in a while because this is a this list of players is very indicative of the Colts free agency strategy. They lost Mike Adams. That's it. That's like everyone else they lost either is like not signed yet or was not very good. Well, Dwayne Allen. I think Dwayne Allen's a talented tight end and he could be a piece in their offense. They just didn't use him very well. Yeah, I was gonna say, like it's I don't know, if it's more Dwayne Allen or because at some point, like I really like Andrew Luck. I think he's still really good. At what point is it Dwayne Allen or is it like misused by the coaches, I'm not sure. Uh, let me talk about this free agency strategy. Oh, their over under is nine, and under is a slight favorite minus 125. Uh, the they brought in all these. They bring in this every year. They bring in all these like mid level, decent ish players and sign them to contracts that are slightly above what they should have got in the market. And like, I think they're hoping that like two or three of them turn out to be good. I don't really understand this free agency strategy. They've been doing it for years. Is like 
and Frank Gore came out the other day and said, like, I don't understand what, what we're trying to do here. Like, it seems like we're just treading water. And I agree with that. And now news comes out. Andrew Luck's going to be out for the first six weeks or up to the first six weeks. Uh, the Colts are in trouble, in my opinion. The, the, this free agent strategy is bad. They are wasting the prime of like a premier NFL quarterback. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Eric, what, what do you, how do you feel about the Colts? Um, I'll be short on the Colts. We found out today that Andrew Luck may miss the first six weeks. Their off-season free agency is kind of like Bizarro Seahawks, whereas the Seahawks will scout and get like that diamond in the rough for like a really low price. And how did how did they get this player out of nowhere? Uh, the Colts are just like, yeah, we're going to bring in a bunch of names too, and we're going to overpay them, and they're not going to do anything. Much like medium names too. They have four starters on the pup list right now: uh, Kendall Langford, Clayton Gathers, Mike Malik Hooker, and Andrew Luck are all on the pup list right now. And what you said about Andrew Luck about how they're wasting, you know, his prime years or close to it. That guy's getting paid a ton of money, like the most money. And whoa, 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 whoa! I know it's whoa. not the most, but you're, you're letting some you're letting someone off the hook right there. He. <laughs> <laughs> podcast favorite don't Derek Carr don't let Derek Carr off the hook like um, that no I, I just feel like they are hoping I, I love this phrase it's a great sports phrase you guys will love it they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle and hope that Andrew Luck will take them farther than they should go Kevin my comparison is they did like what a stupid person would have done if they were the Giants <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, like where the Giants, like, the Giants were like spent we, slightly more on above average players, but at positions like, of need, and they all were good. Like, yeah, they're, they're like, like we're going to spend on, slightly more on just oh, bang average players. Yeah, they're perfect. like that's what that's what the Giants like. They they're like they're like we're, you know our cornerbacks suck. Let's just overpay two cornerbacks. Fuck it. Yes. <laughs> the 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 Colts are like, hey, we don't really have a good offensive line. Let's overpay a bunch of mediocre offensive linemen and hope a couple of them are actually good. Or sometimes it's more like, hey, we don't have a very good offensive line. Let's overpay some linebackers. And like, wait they a minute, have so what? many overpaid mediocre linebackers on this team. So uh, let's go ahead and take a look at what the team has. They have a negative a pass bunch rush. of mid-round or wash-out upper-round offensive linemen, except for Ryan Kelly, who seems like he could actually anchor a good offensive line. You don't, you don't like Joe Haig, Kevin? I like Joe Haig, but like... I not mean, as your what second, are you banking on? Not as your second best offensive lineman. I mean, it's yes, thank you. That's that's exactly what the problem is. I think it's just unless a, you're on the Jack Muhort train. A, it's a below average offensive line. They're like the yeah, they're the, like right below average. Pro, pro, pro Focus put them at twenty second, and <laughs> that they feels right. They, it feels perfect to me too. Like it's just like, like it's not a great. Kamar Aiken. They have Aiken, Moncrief, Dorsett, and Ty and Ty Hilton. It's like okay, that's you know those are good receivers. Uh, they picked up Marlon Mack. Uh, in the draft, who's an interesting running back, and they got Krista Michael, which makes it so when Frank Gore goes down and Robert Turbin, right? It's the it's the Seahawks <laughs> backup running back graveyard over you in don't Indianapolis. Want. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I guess it's not a graveyard of talent when Gore gets hurt. Okay, but their defense. This you say defense you is say when so Gore bad. you say when Gore gets hurt, like Gore's injury prone. Frank Gore's missed like four games his entire career. I looked it up the other day because I was like, this guy's been around forever. <laughs> Uh, Gore was off the field quite a bit last year, though. Last year was like the, his most hurt season. Yes, well, because he's getting old. Yeah, like, he, this he, is just inevitability. He, is, he has he, two cadaver knees. He's so old. Like, he has double dead knee. No, last year he started all sixteen games, Kevin. Right, but but he uh, but he def- he had a he had two hundred sixty-three. He had two hundred sixty-three rushes. That's a lot. That's three. He he got to a thousand yards on only three point nine yards per carry. 
I just think he wasn't very good. Is the, the maybe difference. that maybe just disappeared to me? Yes, maybe like, that's my I think problem. Like you're, you're like thinking that's a perception equals reality thing. He's he's because I looked it up because someone was like Frank Gore, man. He's always missing games, so I looked it up. He has since his rookie year, he's only not started like six games. No, we went over this before. That rep came in college when he got hurt and let everyone else get drafted before right, he did. Exactly. But uh, he's been mostly healthy. He just, I guess, was kind of silent. He's just like not. He's not great anymore. He's good. He's just like a solid running back. But how good can you be running behind these guys? And then they pick up Malik Hooker, right? But now he's pup. And he's probably their most talented defensive player. You could argue Vontae Davis. Quincy Wilson I thought was a good draft pick. But it's really getting to the point where it's like, oh, they picked up Quincy Wilson, Malik Hooker, and Terrell Basham, and Nate Hairston. Man, I really like all these players. I feel so bad for them that they're on this bad Colts team. Yeah, that was my reaction at the end of the they, draft they because don't their have, defense is just poorly thought out and poorly constructed. You cannot win in the modern NFL without creating, without generating a pass rush. What guy on this defense do you see like? Oh, he's going to generate a lot of pass rush. He's really going to get to the Sheard, John Timu. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Huskies fan, but if you're banking on John Timu, that's not good. It's like Terrell Basham better be ready to go for day one. Like, yeah, he better be ready from day one because that is like their best hope to have like a ten sack guy. Barcavius Mingo uh, uh, Redemption dude, Project, they ro- dude. There, that Barcavius Mingo Redemption Project project. If it works, this like that's the thing. This defense just needs pass rush. If they get, if one of those guys turns out to be like a fifteen sack guy, this is like a surprise. Could be a surprisingly decent defense. It's just right now, I don't see it, and I don't understand what's happening. And. Their best player is going to miss the first six games. It's yeah. big trouble in little Indianapolis. They got a bottom five defense that tops out as like the 18th best defense. All right. What do we got for the Colts, uh, Kevin? Six and ten. Eric? I had the Colts at seven and nine, but with this Andrew Luck injury, I feel like they should go down at least a game. So I don't know. I'll, I'll put them at six and ten. See, Eric, this morning I went back to my picks because I, I read the Andrew Luck story, and I also had them at seven and nine before, but now... Got him down at the old five and eleven. I do not like green eggs and colts. So the Jaguars are up next. Jaguars are th- were three and thirteen last year. They brought in the aforementioned AJ Bouye, Calais Campbell, and Barry Church. They lost John Ciprian, Prince Amakamura, Dan Scuda, and Luke Jokel. Their over under is set at six, but over is a staggering minus one sixty five. So. Over is a big favorite here. Eric, what are you what are you thinking about them Jags? Hashtag more roar. Okay, that's all I wanted from you. Kevin. <laughs> I knew what you would say, and I was yep. wanted to go to you first for that. Kevin. <laughs> uh, I think that the story of their offseason acquisitions starts with Clay's Campbell and then moves to the draft. I mean, AJ uh AJ Bouillet was a great pickup. They picked up Leonard Fournette, so they have a real NFL rock toting running back so that you're not relying on Blake Bortles to run your offense. And the less you rely on Blake Bortles to run your offense, the better your yeah, offense take is. Take the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands as much as possible should be the goal of this this defense. And this defense is stacked. The defense is stacked. They drafted Cam Robinson, which makes the fact that Brandon Albert refused to block for Blake Bortles less of a problem. He retired instead of having to block for him. Malik Jackson is real good. Malik Jackson is excellent. Dante Fowler has tons of talent. He's Sheldon Day is an so actual much, NFL player. Let's talk about Dante Fowler. Uh, a video came out this week. Dante Fowler going in one-on-one drills against uh, now-retired NFL left tackle Brandon Albert. 
Brandon Albert gets beat on the first play badly by Fowler. Like, and Fowler uses a real move. And I'm like, whoa, this guy's starting to develop. Like, this is exciting. Cause yeah. Dante Fowler has all the talent in the world. He just kind of needs to develop. He's a raw. Bit. He's super raw. And then so Brandon Albert gets mad. He's like, dude, come back. Let's do it again. I'm going to beat you this time. He does a different move. He used an inside move to beat him again. And it was just like, oh, well, that's where his career ended. Yep. <laughs> he retired you the next day. You saw the day. moment he retired. The thing, the problem is he might come back now because apparently he owes $3.5 million back to the Jaguars if he retires. So maybe he was going to rethink that decision. <laughs> um, so he might be the backup left tackle to Cameron Robinson this or season. Or he might push Cam to the right. You never know. Yeah, it could happen. Uh, I don't think they mind having Parnell and Robinson as their starting tackles to no. start the season, though. I thought that's not a bad tackle group. Robinson's raw, but he could be he could be good. Well, let's talk about that linebacker group real quick. Telvin Smith, very athletic. Miles Jack, athletic freak. Paul Posleszny, very tackle good. machine. There's this like a very good. This is a very good linebacker. Okay, oh, hey, wait a minute. Let's talk about that uh, defensive back group. Uh, AJ Bouye. Oh yeah, that's good. right. Really good corner. Barry Church, awesome. Highly functional player. Deshaun Gibson. Athletic safety, Jalen Ramsey, one of the most physically talented I quarterbacks hope, I, in the NFL. I hope he's he ready to go on the, in the first day of the season because right now he's on the pup list. This defense is stacked. This defense has really good starters. Uh, like there's like no weak links. Like they got good defensive tackles. They got good defensive ends. They have good. They're good at every position. There's their weakest player as a starter on the team right now is their quarterback, and, and that's, that's a big problem. That's a problem though. That's the problem for me. I like I want to love the Jaguars. I love what they've done. This is a great roster they've constructed. They've kind of stayed the course. I like Doug Marone. I think that that's like an underrated coach hiring. Like, I think this could really work out well for them. The problem is that there's one, they're one guy they're relying on to finish the job is Blake Bortles. And I just don't trust him. He's, he has a really high interception percentage, uh, among the highest in the whole league. Uh, he just, it's just not an ex, he's not a player I can ever get excited about. I feel like the Jaguars know that though. I mean, they have, Whereas we can, this is the last year, right, Eric? The Bortles. Every, everyone is saying that too. So I would agree with that, Nathan. But I feel like everyone in the NFL zeitgeist agrees with that. I feel like if he can Tannehill this year, though, this team could really break out. Dude, if they, he if, just has to Tannehill. If Jacksonville gets in the pattern with with uh, with Bortles like they do, like Miami's in with Tannehill, that is not good because my. Miami is a borderline playoff team every year with Tannehill, and they'll he will never get that team over the hump, and they are stuck in a holding pattern because they will not get off the pot. Like they're just like, no, this is our guy. Like we're just gonna. He's not good enough. Like these Bortles are, is the same way. It's he's not ever going to be good enough. Like, these are two separate subjects, though. There Kevin's are, saying if he Tannehills it, they will be okay, and that is a hundred percent correct. You're saying if he does that, it's going to put him in a holding pattern. And that is also 100% correct. Yep. That's bad for their franchise, but ultimately they're looking to win in any way they can. They're not looking to get rid of uh, Bortles, which is what they should do. I almost said Tannehill. If he can be a quarterback that can just play decently and really hand the ball off to Fournette a lot and use his mobility, I mean, they have Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, both really good. Marquise Lee is a capable receiver. They drafted uh, Didi Westbrook out of Oklahoma, who is one of the best deep ball receivers in the draft. Like, there's a lot Come of on. talent He has here. a worse career completion percentage than Matt Castle. Like, I'm done. Like, I do not need to see any more from Blake Bortles. It's over. Like, I'm not saying they should keep him, but I'm saying they have him this year. So if he can just function, which he's shown that for stretches he can... They could yeah. be a team that flirts with 500. 
Blake Bortles has like never won a game against. He's won like what one game against winning teams or, or playoff teams or something like that. It's just like absurd. Like and both of them were against Brock Osweiler. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's just he's not. Good. He's not good. Like they. He's so bad. Uh, Sorry, that was a Derek Carr joke for those of you confused. Hey, before yeah, we go Derek to records, Carr is the one that did that. But like, what's a what? Who is their backup? Kevin is that uh, Chad Henney? That's who has a higher career completions percentage than Blake Bortles. And also, to, Brandon Allen out of Arkansas, I actually think is a decent game manager quarterback. Uh, last year, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. The quarterback out of USC that played for the Cleveland Browns. Are you, um, you mean the Bears? The Bears one? No, the Browns. Uh, oh, oh, uh, um, yeah, I know exactly who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, Game Manager Supreme, and I'm blanking on he, his name. He could run pretty good, too. Uh, that is Brandon Allen. Okay. And honestly, if you hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette a lot, that could be better than Blake Bortles. Are you talking about Brian Hoyer? No, he's talking no. No, He's talking about... I think you're talking about Kevin Hogan, right? No, Kevin Hogan was Stanford. Cody Kessler? Cody Kessler, that's what I'm talking about. There's, they have so many, like, young... Mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> you chose the one team that had nine starting quarterbacks last year. Um... Yeah, it's funny because when you say nine, it sounds like hyperbole, but you're not lying. You're not lying, and and one of them was wide receiver. So, uh, <laughs> and arguably the best one. <laughs> so let's, yeah, that's the problem with the Browns. Their best quarterback was also their best wide receiver. Um, okay, let's go ahead and go through our records for the Jaguars. Uh, I like I like this team. I'm gonna go first. I like this team. I think that they're better than people think, but I just think that Blake Bortles holds them back seven and nine. Because of the Andrew Luck injury, I had them at six and ten before, but because of the injury, shooting them up to seven and nine. Um, I also had them at six and ten. I think their ceiling's higher. They have a really good defense. I pushed them up to seven and nine as well. Ooh. All right, so we all think the Jaguars are going seven and nine, which means bet on literally anything else. All right, Titans last year were nine and seven. They played exotic Smash Mouth football. <laughs> their over-under is set at 8.5, a, a staggering minus 150 for the over. People love the Titans. They brought in John Cyprian, Logan Ryan, Eric Decker, and Brendan Trawick. They lost Anthony Fasano, Kendall Wright, Jason McCordy, Damian Stafford, and Sean Spence. Kevin, start with you. Titans, how do you feel about them? I really like this team. Delaney Walker is the, ti- is the uh, tight end uh, safety net that every team wants. This is like Mr. Reliable for Marcus Mariota. Mariota, I think, is prime for a step forward. DeMarco Murray was a was a revelation last year. Derrick Henry is a capable second running back. This is a team that built from its offensive line. And having built out its offensive line, they picked up Ben Jones. Uh, Taylor Lewan is so good. Player. Taylor Lewan's excellent. Jack Conklin's a great mauler at right tackle. They have a good offensive line, and now they've assembled some skill position players to go with it. Corey Davis, I think, is a great draft pick for them. He's a very reliable receiver who can do a lot. Very precise route running, which will benefit Mariota. They more than replaced all the production they're going to lose from Kendall Wright between Eric Decker, Corey Davis, and uh, all the Atlanta wide receivers they brought in. (laughs) (laughs) Eric Weems and Harry Douglas. Uh, No, that's a fact. (laughs) Their wide receiver core has been directly upgraded. Then... I. And Eric Decker, man, Eric, Eric Decker's good. He's good and at a football. Great fit. This I, is a guy with a really good skill set for a receiver like or for a quarterback like Mariota. I have a question. Mariota Kevin. needs someone who can, uh, who can present him with a good, reliable target. And he got now he has three. Can you tell me about FIU draft pick Johnu Smith? Like, do you the know anything end? about him? He's a tight end. He's there. He got drafted to play tight end for them. I know they have Delaney Walker, so they're probably not expecting him to be great. But is he another weapon that? 
uh, Tennessee could use? Uh, he's a pass catcher. Um, he is a little bit uh, of a more narrow build than you normally think of. Um, I think he's like, well, what? He's 6'3", 250. And he had some kind of injury issues in college that brought his numbers down a little bit. Um, he had some pretty solid combine numbers, if I remember correctly. He's a guy with a lot of athletic ability. And a lot of people, a lot of people, this is what I read, Kevin, and I was hoping you could confirm this, is that he might be like a Chris Cooley, like H-back type. Is that is he has that, that body type for sure? Okay, that, I think that'd be a really neat weapon for the for them to try to use, like a because Chris Cooley was like a really unique NFL player. I mean, he's about the same size as Derrick Henry. All right, that makes <laughs> Jesus. All right, so <laughs> that's not meant to be a bad thing about anyone. It's just a fact. If there so is, a, that's my way of saying he's a really big guy. If there's a weakness on this team, is that the the defense is not uh, it's not stellar, it's not flashy. It's there's nothing special. Uh, it's not exciting. To look at this defensive roster, you're like, yeah, these are all pretty good. This team's going to score points, though, to try to make up for the fact that maybe this is... I like Logan Ryan. I actually think he's better than Jason McCourty. So they their cornerback play is going to be better than last year. Adoree Jackson is a potential big play wizard. Right, and he's going to be in the slot just terrorizing other teams this season. So that's going to be really good for them. Uh, Jarrell Casey's a really solid tackle. Solid, solid three technique. They have yeah. a lot of really solid players. And I like I like Morgan and Arakpo. They're going to generate some pass rush. Like it's not. They're not going to be like... They're not going to be like the last uh, Colts where we talked about how they're not going to be able to generate pass rush. They're like a 15th in the NFL type defense with like top 12 potential. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, they're like, they're kind of middle of the pack. Maybe they could be a little better if, uh, you know, some of these youngsters come along or Dory Jackson's like a revelationary, like shut down corner somehow. Yeah. That That's that's how they get to be really good. Um I just want to note before we go, uh, let's do the records for the Titans. Let's just do it. Let's get it. Let's get it done. I have the Titans at eleven and five, division champions. I have this team at eleven and five. I don't think the Andrew Luck injury changes that. Only because uh, I don't know. I feel like everyone is really high on this Titans team, and that is not that is not good. I feel like this it, team is it is set up for a it's, fall. It's one of the two teams everyone's into. Everyone's really into this team and a team we're going to cover next week, the Buccaneers. Like they're like the it's two dangerous, yeah. They're like the two like, oh, they're coming teams. It worked out good last year for the Raiders. So, so I have yeah, 11 and 5 number 4 seed in the playoffs. I have them at 10 and 6 winning the division on tiebreakers over the Texans and the 4th seed in the playoffs. All right. Uh Kevin, do you have the Texans making the playoffs as a wild card? I have the Texans missing the playoffs at 10 and 6. All right. There you go. Uh what I want you guys to I want you guys to congratulate me. We talked about a team that Clay's Campbell was on, and I didn't just turn it into Clay's Campbell chat for ten minutes. Yeah, that and was now real good. He is turning it into Clay's Campbell do, chat for ten uh, minutes. The irony is no. Great. I'm just sad that he's going to start the season perhaps on the pup list. Like it's like depressing to me. I love Clay's Campbell. He's not. He's just going to be fashionably late to the year. He's not in Arizona though, so it's all right. He's so good. It's at okay, Kim. It's, it's it's so okay, good at Nathan. Uh, you can celebrate it now. He's like. I think he's like the third or fourth best defensive end in the entire league. Like, he's so good. All right. Anyway, uh, that is our preview of the AFC South. Kevin has two playoff or one playoff team, and we all have one playoff team, and it's all the Titans. So bet on the Jaguars, the Colts, or the Texans. Um, Kevin, can you show us the way to the money zone? Well, that would be patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest if you'd like to donate $1.24 or any other incremental discharge of finances from your bank account on a monthly basis to support things like audio equipment giveaways. Speaking of giveaways, we have some spots still left in the Seahawks nest movie league. Um, uh, excuse me, Seahawks nest fantasy football league. 
Um, so if you are interested in that, we have a few fans that have signed up and are a part of things, but uh, we still have some spots remaining. Uh, shoot us a message on Facebook, give us your email, and we can pop you in on the list. We have some teams left. Uh, otherwise, chat with us on Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, appreciate all the likes, yeah. all the chatter and recognition. All right. And also, I got to call this out, man. There's some weird cities that we got uh, downloads oh, my from. Favorite. All right. So if what do we got? Kamloops, Canada, 74 downloads. Sure, man. I went, you went back and downloaded almost every episode. Kamloops, Canada, I see you. Go Blazers. Uh, you must have been talking to uh, uh, Josh in Eagle River. Tim- Thanks, Josh. Timisoara, Romania. I looked up how to say that, by the way. <laughs> I didn't know. Go Dracula. Uh, <laughs> they downloaded 37 episodes. I'm assuming they went back and downloaded a bunch of random episodes. And then I, uh, think they th- I think they just thought we this were a one's porn just, site. This one's, just, this, one, this one's just a, uh, a, a regular listener, but with the, Kobe Japan's always in here. So if you're in Japan and you're listening, cool. Good job by you. I want to make a correction. We've been saying facebook.com slash Seahawks Nest. It's actually facebook.com slash the Seahawks Nest. That explains why we get... facebook.com slash Seahawks Nest bring you to? Don't know. Don't care. Didn't look. That explains Maybe all the it likes we were getting. one bar that we keep finding on Google when we look for ourselves. No, no, no. That's, that's, <laughs> that doesn't... Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> but most of our other downloads are from, you know, Seattle, Tacoma, but Walla Walla, Spokane, Bellevue, Coopville, you know, Auburn, Coop- Bellevue. Shout out to Whidbey. Uh, I don't know. Other places. There's one, there's one other weird one in here. Indi- Tuba, Brazil. But I, I don't know. I think that might just be like a, like a bot or something. <laughs> I think that's Augustine on vacation. Single download. Augustine, big shouts <laughs> for the vacation. Congrats. You earned it, buddy. Um, all right. So that is, uh, that. Do you, anything else you need to, uh, to plug in there, Kevin? You nope. Wanna, that's it. Um, yeah. All right. So then we'll go straight to the Seahawks Nest movie club. Uh, I wanted to do, I've been watching a lot. Kev, you guys know this. I've been watching a lot of like kung fu action movies lately. Like I, I and told by that, lately he means in the last thirty years. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, like lately, I've been like hitting it hard. Like I, every night, I'm watching one. Like I'm trying to watch like like one or two a day. Watching some Donnie Yen movies. Watching some Tony Jaa movies. And I thought, you know what? It'd be cool if we talked about maybe like a Donnie Yen or a Tony Jaa movie or another kung fu movie. So I'm gonna talk about a movie. We're gonna talk about a movie that a series that. I will admit, I watched it a long time ago, and I probably don't know it as well as Kevin. Kevin has watched it more recently, and he's going to know it better than I do. And that is the Ip Man series starring Donnie Yen. So, Kevin, since I have not recently reimbursed... Re, uh, it's on Netflix. Let's start with that. Yes. You can watch it on Netflix for free. And I highly recommend it. And watch the numbered ones, not the one that just has a subtitle and no number. That's different. Don't do that. Yeah. So, so watch Ip Man, Ip Man 2, Ip Man 3. They're all good. So, which one, first of all, Kevin, which one's your favorite? You know, the first one. The first one? Okay. Yeah, it, the first one was good. The second one with the revenge angle was really interesting. And the third one with uh, uh, evil white people was always good because it's uh, like has a, a bit of a spill into British colonialism. And Mike Tyson's in the third one, right? Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, it's ludicrous. If there is, uh, so so it's basically about it, the Yip Man. He's like the Ying, he's like the Wing Chun master. He's just like a and it's it's played by Donnie Yen, and he's just a super badass. And Donnie Yen is a super badass, so this is completely believable. Yeah. So and he just and it's like he's always like stuff's always happening, you know, and he's 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 like getting getting pulled into all these situations. And Nathan, just, you'd know this. Who's just, Donnie Yen's character in uh, Rogue One? Because that's what people will know him from most. Yeah, Cheer it, Imway. Yeah, he's the blind, the blind, uh, the for- I'm the force and the force is with me. Yes, a, that is what you will know him from. 
go watch this. This is like hi- this is better. him at his best. Like you saw, you thought, oh man, this guy does really cool uh, uh, stunts and stuff, and then you know it it gets even better. Uh, Donnie Yen is fifty one now. He said he's not going to make many more kung fu movies. He's like, this is basically it for me. Like I'm I'm getting old. Like I can't do this. My body can't take it forever. So like, first of all, he's got a great. Uh, He's got a great filmography of just like movies, and this series is av- easily available and very fun to watch. Um, anything else you guys want to throw in there? He was in the new Triple X movie too. Okay, so uh, the Iman series is a is a set of historical fiction kind of uh, pseudo legend. Yeah, um, it's set in like Japanese invasion China. Uh, so it'd be 1930s. I mean, it's a biopic, but this did not probably happen like this yeah it's a it's a quasi <laughs> biopic um he didn't really fight mike tyson so the movie Does has he, did he fight mike tyson i thought mike tyson was just in the movie he fights mike tyson really yes oh my gosh i can't even remember, i don't remember this i need to go I mean, watch if it, you're gonna, it, gonna have mike tyson in a movie it's either to be funny and talk or it's to fight yeah mike tyson literally kills the guy from the second movie oh that's so um, cool so uh it bumped uh you know this is sort of like oh, yeah. uh kung fu master's are like the protectors of kind of the villages, basically, is the way that it's treated. And so, um, in these movies, uh, first of all, uh, Donnie Yen's character, uh, Ibman, has, uh, there's a great sense of humor to these movies. It's kind of got a little bit of a cheese factor. There's an over-the-topness to some of it. The action is shot really well. The choreography, the fight choreography in these movies is very, very good. But I think... That's what you expect when you come to see one of these movies. You expect that really good fight choreography. And what you get is some really, really well-timed comedy. Like, Nathan, you remember this. In the first movie, there's the scene where the bandits come. Mm-hmm. And they've challenged like all the other kung fu masters <laughs> and just beat the crap out of them. They go to his house. And... They, uh, and like, Ibman's like, you know, turning the other cheek, like, uh, you know, I don't have to prove myself kind of thing. Yeah, right. And the guy, like, uh, keeps challenging him, and finally, like, he challenges, like, like, he's basically like, I'm gonna beat up your wife and kid, and he's like, oh, and like, quietly he turns, and you know, like, shit's about to go down at that point. And then, during the fight, they, uh, his wife is basically like, okay, fine, you can do this, but don't ruin the house. Because, like, he kept, like, breaking stuff, practicing yep, kung fu exactly. in, like, the, the earlier part of the movie. And so they're constantly, like, they'll, like, fight, and the fight will just start to pick up steam. And suddenly, like, one of them will, like, do, like, a spin punch and, like, knock over a vase, and it'll break. And uh, the bandit will look up at him and go, I'll pay for that. And then, like, so, like, there's this running joke about, like, wrecking the house throughout the entire fight. So it's this beautifully choreographed fight. With a running gag happening in the middle of it. And I mean, the real Ip Man game fame because he was Bruce Lee's like primary martial arts teacher. So like, I mean, that's a pretty great student to have, right? Yeah. Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee is the, he's the dragon, right? He's the greatest. So, I mean, it's, that is how the, this kind of where the legend, the legends grew from that, right? Like everyone's like, oh, this is Bruce Lee's teacher. Oh, now here's all these stories that are going on about his youth and because it happened in the 1800s you know whatever like we i'll believe anything yeah he's an early he's, <laughs> he, it's, it's definitely like an urban legend status type thing mm-hmm. all right anything else you want to add or uh yeah just they're all really good movies really well shot really enjoyable if you don't mind subtitles you will really like these movies. oh yeah i didn't mention that they're they're all subtitles uh the the choreography for these movies is by sammo hung that's pretty cool uh Sammo Hung is like a old school he's like a big fat <laughs> martial arts star but he's really great 
Uh, and he's actually in the second movie. I believe he plays one of the Kung Fu masters. That, that yes, he is. You're correct. Yeah. Uh, and that's like Sammo and Hung. He's, and he's hilarious. Sammo Sam- Hung is where we get the uh, the grasshopper. Like when people talk about Kung Fu and they say, ah, young grasshopper. That's from Sammo Hung's old movies. Uh, and another thing, like his action <laughs> yes. choreography in Ip Man and Ip Man 2, like they were award winning Hong Kong. They won awards in the Hong Kong Film Awards. Uh, they're, they're the Golden Horses, I think is what they're called. Uh, yeah, they're just, it's good stuff. Um, so, yep, that's, uh, I don't really have much to say about it except for watch it. Cause I don't want to like spoil a bunch of stuff. And like, I mean, it's just fight, it's fight choreography. You know, like that's what makes this movie is the fight choreography and the action choreography is like second to none. Like, and, that, and the plot's good enough. Yeah, it's a good, it's it's a fine plot. Like, it, but the the fact that like like you care about the characters, which makes you invested in the action. Right. It's not just action for action's sake. Like, uh, which is also fun, but not every movie can be kickboxer. Right. So. Yep. All right. Uh, the other thing I will say is, okay. if you like the first, if you like what we described, you'll like the first movie. If you like the first movie, you'll like the second movie. If you like the second movie, you'll like the third movie. They seem like they're making these big jumps in difference. They're not. And if you like all of these movies, go see Hero. Because that's also really good. And that's also pretty widely available. Yeah, Hero's on Netflix also. There's there's a lot of good stuff on Netflix. Uh, uh, what's the cop one? Uh, the, it's like Donnie Yen's best movie. Flashpoint? That's on That's on, uh, That's on. on. Uh, Hulu Plus only now. That's on Hulu Plus only. Okay, yeah. if you get an opportunity to watch Flashpoint, Flashpoint's excellent. Flashpoint's really good. That's not that was like the movie that introduced me to Donnie Yen, and I was like, oh, I gotta watch every movie this guy's ever made. And I kind of watched them like all at once, which is why I don't remember the individual beats of these movies <laughs> that well because they all kind of blended together. And I was just like, I'm enjoying all of these, you know. So that's kind of where I'm at. But I think you'd agree he blends excellent fighting with a, I mean, sense of humor and a levity that is uncommon. Everyone saw Rogue One. Like, they, they, this this guy can act. Like, he's not, like, you know, just some, like, goofy guy who's just making weird faces. Or, like, he's not, like, a overly... That's the problem that you run into with, like, Tony Jaws. He just, like, has this one angry-ish facial expression that he can make. And then it's just, like, yeah. con- nonstop. And it's like, yeah, man, you choreograph the best fight scenes and you're, like, the best martial artist. But it's, like, so boring to watch you just, like, have this angry face all the time. Donnie's not like that. He's got acting range. He can yes. act, he can act, which is why he'll be successful continuing into his later life. Maybe not making as you know these hardcore action only movies. He'll be able to have a second career, kind of like Jackie Chan did, where he will he'll make it. Like he'll be able to make movies that are action movies, but less action heavy. You know stuff like that. And this guy's an international star. He has massive name recognition. Like people will people will go see a movie because Donnie Yen's in it, and so for that reason, yeah, he he'll get the career he deserves. All right, so for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronenbeck, I'm Nathan Santo, and we will see you next week. Go Hawks! P.S. It's a thousand degrees. Save me.